Welcome to Optimal Self, the art of becoming the best version of you. Join us as we talk with extraordinary people who are on the journey to living to their optimal self. We dive deep into their minds to learn what they do on a daily basis to create optimal results. They share their tools and insights so you can implement them into your own life to become the best version of you. Here's your host, Jeremy Herriter. All right, guys, welcome back to Optimal Self Conversations, where we talk to incredible people who through adversity, grit, and persistence are forging the path of being the best version of themselves. They join us here in these conversations and they give you the tools and action items to do the same. I'm super pumped for our conversation today. I was honored to be a guest on his show and those of you guys that don't know much about podcasts or, or interviews or, or any of these, you get together and you have some chats ahead of time to get to know each other so that it flows. And uh, this was my brother from another mother who I've never met, uh, but we had a lot of the same thoughts, ideas. And man, from the moment I met him from day one, I was like, wow, we, we're going to do this hopefully for many, many times. So Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. My, I want to call him my good buddy now, Travis Barnes. He is the owner and CEO of Journey Fitness 333. He is an ACE certified trainer, co-author of the best-selling book, Results Fitness, also author of Journey Fitness uh, with a foreword by the great Todd Durkin. And then he's also the co-author of the best-selling book, 52 Amazing Journeys, which I highly recommend you pick those up just because... What you see is the success and man, Travis, thank you, buddy. Wow. Good to have you. Well, thank you. Thank you for that awesome introduction. I'm just honored to be on this show. I'm honored to be part of that group that you say, uh, giving those tools out, you know, with the grit, the persistence, but I couldn't agree more. A brother from another mother, <laughs> spirit, man. I was like, who is this guy? You know, I just couldn't wait to connect more after you were on our show. So thank you. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. And again, we talked about this a little pre-show, but our audience is is so driven. It's such an amazing thing to see people on the really, truly on the journey, becoming the best version of themselves. There's no better person that I have met since I've been doing this to be on and to share their knowledge and information and expertise as you, because when we look at it and we get to, and I get to read off your bio and everybody gets to see speaker and author and you tour in the world and you built this and you have this great fitness company and franchising and all these different locations. And, and look, you made it through the pandemic even, right? Like how many, <laughs> how many didn't, right? But let's go back. We'll, we'll get into the, all the accolades and, and we get to hear all the wonderful stuff that's going on in your life and how you're helping people today. But where is that built? Like, let's get deeper into nobody falls on top of the mountain. Right. Nobody gets to the where you are now without some grit, some perseverance, some determined and hey, some failures, right? Maybe even a few regrets along the way. And that's okay too. So give the audience a little bit of background of how did you get to where you are now and what was that like? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're right. Everybody does see things. They uh they might have saw the tour bus if they were watching me five minutes ago, you know, because uh <laughs> got in here just in time for the podcast. But what you didn't see was the decade of incarceration. You know, what you didn't see was the addiction. What you didn't see was the struggles. You know, the reason that we did our podcast, the Overcomers Podcast, is there are times in life where your adversities become your advantage. 
And that is if you learn to find strength in the struggles. And that's what it's all about. So for me, you know, I was always into fitness. So Optimal Self is a great podcast to be on. You know, we got a lot of things that we would recommend to people, similar lifestyle habits. And I I was even digging what you're saying about the Himalayan salt one day, you know. So I was that guy from a young age. I mean, at five years old, growing up in a broken home, I realized that being fit on the outside made me feel better on the inside and I wanted to share it with people. So I was already getting pumped up. I had Hulkamania workouts that, you know, come on, you little Hulkamaniacs, right? I was going after the 24-inch pythons. I didn't have a father in the home, so I thought maybe being like Hulk Hogan was what I needed to do. So always into fitness, always into being healthy. And coming from a small town, I went to Las Vegas at 18 years old. And when I went to Las Vegas, my first job was in the Gold's Gym. Now, that kid that was kind of the same kid working out with the Hulkamanias that easily influenced, kind of wondering what it means to be a man in the world, was still pretty easily influenced at 18 years old. They say that throughout our lives, we're many people, that the oldest man is still the smallest child at times, right? And so for me, at 18, I was still just an impressionable kid. And I remember going there to Las Vegas, and there's all these great bodybuilders Sean Ray worked out in that gym. I met Evander Holyfield, who was being trained by Lee Haney in that gym. Uh, it was just a great time. But there were some that would talk to me and kind of give me their tips. And I'm like, hey, what's the best supplement for me to take? Is it Metrex? You know, right? If, you know, well, little did I know. I mean, those guys, a lot of them, I'm not, not saying connected to the names that I just said, but there were others, and a good portion of which were very unhealthy and living a very unhealthy lifestyle. And it was then that I really got introduced to drugs. And when I say unhealthy lifestyle, yeah, there's steroids, but there's guys that are smoking marijuana there. There's guys that are using cocaine as a diuretic, all kinds of different things. And it began a a wayward journey because back then I needed validation from outside of myself. I didn't know how to find validation within. And I I think that's it's one of the problems that we face nowadays. You know, parents, kids, who's ever listening right now, you know, it's really about I have a great quote for you. I know that you and I are kindred spirits in this way. And so T.S. Eliot said this. T.S. Eliot said that we shall not cease from exploring, but at the end of our exploring will be to return to that place where we first began and know it for the first time. And so the idea behind that is we kind of spend our whole life searching outside of ourselves for things that are actually within ourselves, right? right? We look for validation in our accomplishments in other people, in the little material things that we can collect only to finally return home and realize that every piece of validation, every piece of self that we were looking for was really right there, right there inside ourselves, that authentic self that you were born to be. And uh, my wayward journey, you said, hey, this is how we started this conversation. And I may have gone a little long on that, but I hope that the characters got some gems. You said that people see the franchise, they see the speaking, they see the podcast, uh, the books, you know, things like that. But what did they see? Well, this is, these are the things that they might have missed. That journey, that journey that we all have to go on, that journey of struggle, that journey of adversity that helps us to find ourselves. And my wayward journey led me down an addictive path that eventually turned into a downward spiral of unhealthy addiction and a decade of incarceration. I got locked up for a nonviolent drug offense for 10 years of my life. 10 years. Man. You know, people ask me today, they say, you know, Travis, what what was that? You know, is that something that you feel like you've lost a lot of time? Is that something that you would give back if you could or whatever? 
And honestly, even though I had a little girl, I didn't know at the time I took this car ride, but you know, I was doing things I shouldn't have for a guy that had even the potential to have a baby. But I didn't know at the time that I took the car ride that my wife and I were going to have a little girl. And I take this car ride with, uh, oh, I'll use my fingers now to make quotations with a friend, right? Back in those days when you're running around with a bunch of other addicts, nobody really has friends, but uh, with a friend. And uh, we drove in the middle of a federal investigation. It's an interesting thing because it, had it been a state case, I would have had probation. But because it was a federal case, I wound up with a actually a more than 10-year sentence. I had to appeal to get a 10-year sentence. So I was very fortunate to win an appeal and get five years of my life back because I was originally sentenced to 188 months. But, you know, when people ask me even today, they say, you know, if you could take it all back, you know, would you? And I can't because our pain is the best part of who we are. Our adversities become our advantages. And and I was a kid that was very lost. I was a I was a bad husband. Uh, clearly, had the potential to be a bad father, son, friend, member of society. And it was in there. It was during those times of struggle. And that's what they say, right? They say things like, "Let's not forget that the diamonds are made under pressure. That gold is refined by the fire." And so it was me in those moments where I remember sitting in there, and I'm I'm waiting on my sentence, and uh, just you know wondering what it's going to be and, and just very stressed out and, and facing all these years and saying to myself, man, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this time. And let me just put it this way. I had suicidal thoughts. Mm. I mean, I don't know too many people that, you know, that might not have those at that point. Right. You know what I mean? Because they're telling you that you're going to lose all these years. You got a wife and daughter at home, you know, what are you going to do? And it was uh, that dark night of the soul, that dark night of the soul that, I remember making a real solid decision that changed my life. And I was thinking about things. I was thinking about things like tying bed sheets together or what, you know, because I, I, I don't know. They keep telling me things like 15 years and 20 years and all these years. And I'm like, I mean, for the people that are wondering, it was a trunk full of Sudafed. All right. I mean, so <laughs> this guy that I was with, internet, you know, this and that. So he purchased a trunk full of Sudafed, which I constructively possessed because I knew that it was there. Right. You know, so that's what I went to jail for. And uh, I'm facing all these years and I'm just like thinking my whole family's better off without me. And I'm thinking all these thoughts. I remember in that dark night of the soul, having a conversation with myself. And this is important. This is important. Don't overlook this, right? Because we have conversations with ourselves. Who's ever said, oh man, I'm driving myself crazy. Or who's ever said, I can't stand myself. You see, that is us admitting that there are two selves. Mm. And that's a very important conclusion to come to in life, right? That there's two selves, right? So my higher self said to this, <laughs> this messed up self that was having all these depressing suicidal thoughts, said, Travis, you have been a selfish asshole <laughs> long enough, right? Your daughter deserves a father. And if that means that she's coming to you and you're still behind bars for advice on who to marry, and that's all that you can give her, then you owe her that. Your wife deserves a husband. Uh, if that just means somebody to talk to, man, it makes me emotional to still talk about it today. You know, somebody to talk to about, hey, this is what's going on with our child. You know, what do you think? Then that's your lot in life. That's who you have to be. You need to stop making it all about you and start making it about other people. And like when I kind of had this conversation with myself and like this epiphany that this other self that's talking to me is right, you know, I said, wow, that's so true. And that was the changing. 
that was the turning point. That was when I decided, all right, you know what? I don't know how many years I'm going to do in here, but I'm going to be the best father. I'm going to be the best husband that I can be from in here. And I'm going to do everything with those passions that make me uniquely me. And I'm going to start living the best self that I can be. And so what did that mean? That meant that I wrote a letter home every day to my wife. And as my daughter was born, I'd write letters that you know, she could read to my daughter. And as my daughter grew, I drew the face on the pumpkin and we would have colored pictures through the mail. And um, we would uh, I'd draw a treasure map at Easter. Just whatever things I could do to be a father from in there, that's what I was doing. I made that prison my university. I furthered my education with degrees and certifications. I, I made it my uh, wellness center. People would come to me, they're like, yo, kid, I'm going home and I got 30 pounds to lose. Can you help me out? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, okay, sure. And, you know, there's a thing, uh, prison currency that they give you. Commissary, it's usually like tamp, uh, stamps or tunas. Or <laughs> people put tunas and stamps together, I guess you get tamped. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, no, and, and that's how I would get paid to train people back then. Now, think about that. As in comparison to today, you see, people got to understand that before there could be a franchise, there had to be a Travis that was willing to train people for tunas and stamps. Before there could be our first fitness business, there had to be a Travis that was willing to teach adult continuing education in prison, which was teaching other inmates how they could become a certified trainer, teaching other inmates about nutrition. We had nutrition classes so they could learn to make the best choices in there. And that gave me the right. That was my 10,000 hours, right, that I had to put in in order to be able to come home and be deserving of the things that I was then deserving of. And so that's that's part of the struggle. That's part of the uh, the journey, as you will. And that's part of the journey to finding yourself, right? Right, like, you know, when you can have that encounter with yourself. And what did I return to? What did I return to in there that I became successful with out here? I returned to that place, <laughs> as T.S. Eliot says, all your exploring, all your adventures will be to return to that place where we first began. I returned to that place where I was five years old. I returned to that place where I was five years old. And I said, you know, what am I passionate about? And I was like, well, I know what I'm passionate about. It's fitness. And so I returned to the place in which I feel in spirit or the place in which I felt inspired. And that's where I could begin to live again, begin to live my authentic self. See, we're all created with this authenticity, with this special coding that makes us uniquely us. And, and it gets covered up. It gets covered up by other people's expectations. It, get, it gets covered up by what we think we should be and, and our accomplishments and, and uh, what we do, all kinds of stuff like that. And, and it's so good if you can go through something that allows you to return to that place and live from it. And that's what I was able to do. And, and that's how I was able to come home and, and start journeying. Because all I was doing is living my passions and uh, doing it under those times of adversity. Wow. I, I mean, there's so much gold in there. Like, I want to get back to the listener because I want them to make sure that they heard a few things that you said. You opened it up and you said, strength is in the struggle. And here you were up against a charge, up against prison time, all these things that were the struggle right? That were before you. And somehow, somewhere in there, you have to find the strength. You have to be the strength at that moment, right? It's not just 
again, I, I say this all the time. I love what you said because I, the unique blueprint that we all have and that so many of us go to our grave never ever letting that out because of the fears. And sometimes it's because we haven't had that struggle. We just stay below it. Again, don't seek out the struggle to, to go put yourself in jail for 10 years and, and figure out how you're going to do it, right? That was the first one. The second one you said is adversity becomes our advantages. And I want to dig in a little bit deeper here mm-hmm. because you you kind of went that road. You said, look, I, I started here. I got certifications. I forwarded my education. And here you are in a place where everybody's incarcerated, where you have, I'm sure, different levels of crime, mm-hmm. right? Some are probably there for way worse things than a trunk full of Sudafed that, you know, I didn't even purchase. I just knew it was there, right? And so, cool. but yet you created a version of you that was sustainable there, right? That that adversity ultimately has truly become your biggest advantage. You know, living from that place, uh, living from that place of spirit is one thing, but learning to see the opportunities and the obstacles, I think that for me, prison made me acutely aware of everything that was going on around me and acutely aware of survival opportunities, right? You know, which I think also uniquely prepared me for the pandemic that we just went through as a business mm-hmm. owner. Right? You know, like I was like, lockdown, okay, I've been here before, right? You know, crazy rules, okay, I've been here before, you know. When it came to how does my adversity become my advantage from the time of prison to the time of starting a business, I remember when I was locked up, they told me that if I got a job in this place called Unicor, which was a federal furniture factory, that I could make the most money. I would get a dollar an hour. And if I was willing to stay in there and work 15 hours a day, on the second half of the day, I could get $2 an hour. Now, that might not sound like a lot, but it's actually enough to take care of yourself in prison send a couple hundred dollars home a month. But the only way that you get the dollar an hour after being on a waiting list to even get in this federal furniture factory, which <laughs> bit like a slave factory, right? You know, dollar an hour, right? And all that. But either way, on the waiting list, I get in. They're like, well, the dollar an hour, now that's P grade, which is top grade. So you have to find a department where somebody's going home. And if you can find a department where somebody's going home, that's a top grade and get their grade, because there's only so many being given out, then you'll get that dollar an hour. So I'm like, okay, this is a good challenge because I want to be the best father, the best husband that I can be from in here. And that will include being able to send money home, right? I mean, my wife and daughter are struggling without me. My wife took a job to work in a deli because they would give her visiting days off. You know, I mean, it's just, that's the kind of life that we're living right then. And so I'm like, I got to send some money home too, because I got to help with gas money. You know I mean? I got to help her come see me and all those kind of things. So I get into this federal furniture factory. And they tell me that in this office area, this guy, Ryan, who was doing 20 years for marijuana, which is now legal just about everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's just like more and more legal every place you look, right? Poor guy did 20 years for it, but he was going home. So they said, you know, maybe you can learn and see if, uh, you know, what Ryan's doing because Ryan had been doing it for so long. Even the officers who supervised him had no idea what he was doing. And they were really nervous about Ryan going home. So I see this opportunity to learn to do what Ryan does and get paid for it. And so I said, uh, I said to one of the officers, I said, can I sit beside him and write down what it is that he does? And so, you know, cops don't think too much of you. And, you know, they usually call you by your last name if they're going to call you anything. And so uh, they're like, sure, Barnes, if you think you're smart enough, go ahead. You know, 
I'm like, all right, let's go. And so I sat down beside him and I was writing step-by-step instructions. And we worked, we even had computers in there. And so I would even make screenshots and notes. And what I did is I wrote that factory's first operations manual. All right. So I was writing an operations manual before I even understood how important one was, only because I was acutely aware of my survival opportunities, right? You know, what did I need to do? And how did that adversity become my advantage later on? Well, I was lucky enough to 10 years later get released into a fitness business that had no systems whatsoever. Nobody opened the same. Nobody closed the same. Nobody answered the phone the same. Nobody toured anybody the same. Nobody trained anybody the same. I'm like, it's no wonder we can't have a consistent business around here that's going to grow because, you know, I mean, it, it really depends on this person or that person being here for a good experience. And those two give a bad experience because they don't do what the good experience people are doing. So I asked that owner, I said, hey, can I write down what it is that, you know, we're kind of doing for our best practices and maybe we can get everybody on the same page? Well, Travis, who gets his first fitness job after coming home as a trainer, is soon the manager because the owner's like, this guy's pretty good, you know? And that came from working in a federal furniture factory right so the adversity becomes the advantage and then he's like wow so this guy owns a string of physical therapy and fitness places and he says i want him to systemize fitness in all my physical therapy clinics so i'm gonna make him my chief operations officer i mean that was a great a great great thing that was happening to me a guy that was freshly out of prison and that was my adversity becoming my advantage you know and so then here we are down the road, uh, that owner decides he has a different vision. And once again, I did have to face adversity when I was let go when they had a different vision. But, uh, you know, just an example there of how yeah. it can kind of become your advantage, you know? No, it's great. And, and I think, you know, again, for the listener is to understand is that what you were doing is adding value to situations that currently didn't exist. And so anybody who's listening right now that's in a job that maybe they don't necessarily love, that it's not their dream job, right? Because everybody wants to get out and be an entrepreneur and start their own business or whatever it is, or even just climb the ladder and wherever they are. And listening to what you're saying, man, it hits me in a way that's saying, okay, this isn't the end all for me. You know what I mean? You were looking for an avenue. You were looking for a way. And then how do I make that system or that situation, the best that it can possibly be. How do I give it my best? Well, I created this operations manual that who knows, maybe they're still using something similar to this day because they didn't have anything before, right? Because that's not how people, that's not how everybody thinks. And then that became something that you did outside. And then that, that led to more situations, but it also led you to where you are today, right? Absolutely. Before we go down that road, I don't want to lose this because you and I, we talk about this a lot and we, we've both had this conversation in the past and I want to share it with the listener is that we come from different places. Everybody here has had different things in their lives, right? There's always that person in their life that maybe they wish they got more love from, right? I mean, it could be your father, it could be your mother, it could be whoever it is. And we see that a lot in adults today is that as we dig in to see what is that limiting belief or what's holding them back, a lot of times it comes from that moment, right? We've had other people on the show that that talk about, man, I did this and I achieved really high in this because I wanted my dad to tell me he was proud of me or I wanted my mom to, you know what I mean? Like, and we have that a lot. And so you use the word validation. 
And I want to share something with you because I want to get your opinion on this because it, it, it strikes a chord with me because validation is good and bad. And what I mean by that is this, rather that somebody in your life that tells you, which happened to me, right, is that you're not good enough. You're not, you know, no, Jeremy, sorry, you didn't make that all-star team because you're not good enough. Like, and people go, oh my gosh, oh my God, I'm not good enough. I'll never do anything ever again, right? But here's what I want people to understand is, is even on the reverse of that, is it's, is somebody says you are good enough and you're going to make the team. You're so great. Again, we use the term validation because now that feels good. But what I want people to get, and I want your opinion on this, what I want people to get is I want you to remove the word validation from your vocabulary. And anytime that you're feeling validation, I want you to insert the word opinion. Because now when I'm there and I say, okay, Travis, you were seeking validation from the homies or the dudes or all those guys because you wanted to be part of the crew, right? But it truly, are you just looking for their, is if, if I asked you, do you want their opinion on where you're going and what you're doing? You'd be like, mm, no, maybe not, right? Mm -hmm. And their yeah. opinion, whether they think you're the greatest or whether they tell you you're a piece of shit, because the validation is like, oh, because we all have those thoughts of I'm not good enough. Everybody, let's right. Right, 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 right. newsflash, right? Like, yes, I doubt myself. People mm -hmm. be like, what? You're so confident and you do this and you're so driven and you're no, no. <laughs> yeah, I have those doubts. Those little guys creep in my head and they want to spin around and talk to me in ways that are like, why is so many, you know? And, and so, but again, if I can remove the thought of saying, if you ask me now, Hey, if I really wanted this validation from whatever it is, right. If I wanted success magazine to put me on the cover and say, Hey, look at him. Right. If that was like a goal or something like that, if I said, that's the validation that I've made it. But if I take that away and I go, wait a minute. Do I want their opinion of me? The 100% answer is hell no. Right. I don't give shit about their opinion, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a whether it's good or whether it's bad, it's the language that we use that can literally reframe things and get us out of those states almost immediately because I immediately change it. And I wanted to get your thoughts and opinions because I know that, yeah. man, I know that you're through that and you do it in your own way. How do you reframe it and how do you get past those things? But I, you know, when we hear the term validation, I know there's a lot of people listening right now that'll stumble across this and go, yeah, man, I, I need it. Yeah. But when I say, but do you need their opinion? No, I don't need their opinion. Oh, okay. I would say what you really need is an egoectomy. Uh, <laughs> 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 do I need validation? You added a synonym, which is opinion. And I would just add to that maybe another one that is acceptance, right? Like here's a kid growing up feeling rejected by his father somewhat, you know, because abandoned. And so therefore I'm looking for love and acceptance that I'm not getting. And so, you know, sometimes we label that as validation and we can label that as the opinions of others. But, you know, when we think about the ego, and, and I learned this from Wayne Dyer, and it's uh, something that's resonated with my spirit. The ego stands for edging God out. Hmm. And the reason that we sometimes want validation or acceptance or other people's opinions to uh, make us feel better about ourselves is because we're living in that space of the ego. Ego is, I am what others think of me. That's one aspect of the ego. There's several aspects, but one of the aspects of the ego is I am what others think of me. And that's why we sometimes don't live our authentic self, because there's a few words that stop us 
from doing that. We constantly ask ourselves, well, if I did that, what would other people think? What would other people say, right? These things actually stop us from being our authentic self. So taking that journey for me to return to where I could have that internal peace is that I didn't need acceptance. I didn't need the opinions of others. I didn't need the validation of others. What I actually have come to realize is that I'm part of an eternal one, (laughs) right? You know, like I'm not separate from God. I'm not separate from you. The same spirit that's in me is also in you. And we all have this unique expression, right? You know, we're all coming from the one, returning to the one. So really, the only thing that I really need to get an approval of is to be in alignment with my spirit. My approval should come from that little unique aspect of me that is honestly God. That unique aspect that I was created to be, you know, we just need to know that if we can live with our authentic self, if we can live in that place of enthusiasm, you know, when you can be enthusiastic about what you do, the the whole word means ethos and asm, the God within. It's a Greek etymology, right? And so that's the God within. When you can feel that God within, you don't need any other validation to know that you are in the right space, right? That space that just, man, I'm in my soul is singing right now. That's where you need to be. And it gets covered up by a lot of stuff. But one of the things it gets covered up by that we need to have that ego at the you know, is that, that place where we're so caught up in validation, so caught up in other people's opinions. You know, and it takes us down that road where we see a lot of is, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's that victim mentality is what ultimately gets into to us is because we're seeking all this other validation, acceptance, and all these things. But what we forget is that us taking action, like the things, I loved what you said about the writing of the letters and doing the little treasure maps or the, you know, the, the pictures to your daughter is because when you did step out and that gate opened and you stepped out of there, you had earned the right to still be her father and to be her husband, right? Is because you put in the time and it was, it was a, uh, you were validating to yourself is to say, man, I have put these people through something very horribly, right? And yet here we are. Now, what can I do? And I, I think even so today, you don't have to be behind bars to realize, oh man, am I really being the best version of me? If I'm not, okay, let me stop for a second and let me let me look and see what that looks like. And again, I love what you said about in the third person. I do it all the time. Right. I'll sit there and I'll be like, okay, I don't want to get up this morning or I'm hurting or, you know, like whatever. And I'm like, okay, Jeremy, you can, you because listen, we can justify anything, right? Every action, you getting in that car that day and whatever you were doing, you had justified that action before you ever did it. Because if you knew truly what the, if I was like, okay, let me weigh consequence right here. Right. I don't really think that's probably the right thing to do, right? Maybe I make a different decision, but it wasn't. I had already justified the behavior to myself. Yeah. You're mentioning actions and you're, you know, even the car ride that day, or there's a lot of listeners right here that want to be that optimal self, right? They want to have different results than what they're getting. And they know that to get different results, they have to take different actions. But here's the problem. And this goes right back to the conversation we're talking about that happened in that jail cell or the conversation you have with yourself in the morning. The problem with for everybody is that we're dominated by our state. 
Our state determines our actions, determines our results. In my addicted state, I was determined that I would go on a car ride that, you know, had some great consequences. And But that was my state. State of addiction determines those actions, determines those results, right? And so now I'm in this depressive state. I'm focused only on me, right? Because how do we change our state? Well, we either change our state through how we get physical or what we focus on, right? This is how we change our state. If I ask the listeners right now, hey, just take a quick second, think of something that you're really grateful for. Suddenly you're in a better mood, right? You know, something you're really proud of. Suddenly you're in a better mood because now I'm focusing on that. And what happened in that dark night of the soul, what happened in that cell was that I was willing to change my focus. I was willing to change my focus from myself to my family. I was willing to say, okay, stop being selfish, right? And so because now my state is different, right? My state is different because my focus is different and my state's going to get enhanced because now I'm going to start following some healthy habits. I'm returning to that space of physical activity where we know movement is medicine, right? So I'm returning to that space as well. So now I got two things going for me to change my state. I've shifted my focus to my family and I'm doing some regular physical activity that's going to enhance my state, which suddenly makes my actions different, which now my actions aren't about tying some bed sheets together. My actions are about, oh, I'm going to start writing letters every day and now I'm going to get different results. What kind of results am I going to get? Well, I'm going to get an appreciative wife. I'm going to get a daughter that thinks I'm her hero, despite the fact that I'm incarcerated. I mean, how did I accomplish that, right? You know, in prison, but I'm being the optimal self that I could be from in there. I'm being the best self that I could be from in there, you know, and, but it's all, that's an important one. Like, as you're listening, you're like, yeah, I want to, I want to change my life. I want to take a different action and I want to get a different result. Well, the first thing you have to do is change your state. You're going to change your state. You have to change what you're focused on and I'm going to challenge you to get out of that state by getting, you know, extra movement. You know, like, I mean, there's, there's great ways. I'm sure you go over this all the time on your show about how do you start your day, but, you know, just get moving and, and get focused on something positive or something you're grateful for. Because I was grateful for my wife and daughter every day. I'm grateful for a woman that's determined. I told her, geez, you know, I don't know if you want to bring our daughter to a prison. I get it. You know, maybe you're better off without me. She's like, she's got to know her father. And so, she was dedicated to that and it gave me a lot to be grateful for. But anybody listening has those people in their life that they can be grateful for, has those moments and, and things, you know. So, yeah, I just wanted to touch a little bit on state as you're talking about those things because, you know, it's not just a different action and it gets a different result. It's changing your state. It'll change your actions, you know, that kind of thing. Man, so well said. With Optimal Self, we have six principles and principle number two is breathe. Principle number three is move. And they are both state changers. We talk very heavily in principle number two about breathe, about how you can change your state, right? When your heart rate is up, whether it's an anxious feeling or a stress feeling, when you're, you're, you're having those feelings that diaphragmatic breathing, truly getting to that deep breath that there's tons of really cool studies that even today for me, I mean, I'm down to like six to nine really solid breaths that can literally change my state that I oxygenate my blood, my mind changes. And then all of a sudden, just what you said, it changes the focus. That's such a very important piece, right? We talked about this the other day on the show is that it's not what you look at, it's what you see. Yes. And that's what you're saying, right? It's like changing that state. The focus can change. And now when my focus changes, just like for happened to you, it's like, oh, should I tie these bed sheets together? Should I get the hell out of here? Was everybody better off without me? It's like, 
hold on a second. Okay. Deep, deep thoughts, deep breaths, deep, all that. The state changes like, wait a second. What would the best version of me do? Well, that guy would write a letter. That guy would be accountable to this. That guy would be accountable to these actions. It's like, oh, okay. My state changes, like you said, then my focus changes and now my actions change. Man, those things you go over are just, I'm sorry. No, I'm asking the questions. Is that okay if I ask a question? <laughs> this is conversations, buddy. We could do this. Yeah, this is conversations. No, but these things that you go over, which I think are so good, you go over them through your course or through your regular podcast yeah. or through the course. And then through, and then we have a private group as well that we touch, you know, we get into some deeper stuff from there. We're about to launch the actual course, well, with coaching that goes with it. So we haven't officially launched that because I just, man, I just love this. I love the content. I want to get it in front of people. And then there's an evolution. I had to ask, uh, the world needs it more right now. You know, maybe there's somebody listening. I remember you and I touched on it before and it it really intrigued me. But as we're talking about these things, you got to embrace those habits that can help you to shift into those better places. So Mm. good. So good. Yeah, Yeah, man. Well said. Well said. So we've touched on some really cool stuff, but I want to, I do want to get to where you are today because again, you've been pushing, you've, you've had the adversity, you've turned adversity into your advantage. You've, your strength was in the struggle. You built that strength yourself now. And here you are today, three books, the franchise now with the, with the fitness side of things and like all of those struggles, all those adversities and where you are today. How does that guy live? And is there a difference in yeah. those two people? I want to touch on something real quick. And then, uh, you know, I, I definitely want to share some some healthy habits because I know that as we were kind of going through this timeline, I left off where I was the chief operations officer. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, I was getting fired. I used to call it liberated to the workforce. I thought that was better. I also called prison a gated community. Uh, that's not a better, you know, extremely gated with barbed wire. But uh, still... <laughs> when I got let go, I was a traveling trainer. I mean, you know, like I had a Jerry Maguire moment by this time. My wife's working with me at that gym. She's a trainer there too. And they just couldn't believe that. I, I mean, I'm working my tail off for this guy. He's letting me go. And um, when I was let go, she walked out the door with me. Now, I want to share this, that just because I went through prison and got to the better side of that, the adversities keep coming. A man was asked what helped him overcome the obstacles of life. He said the other obstacles. Um, so I came home. I worked my way up from trainer to manager, chief operations officer. I finally get my wife and daughter a home of their own. And our home was flooded to the second floor in the flood of 2011. All right. So this is after I come home from prison. I mean, I'm looking up at God like, you know, hey, uh, can I get a break here? You know, like, <laughs> you know I'm trying to do some things. And um, now we're fixing that house nights and weekends. And I'm let go as that chief operations officer. And now we're traveling trainers in a FEMA trailer. So I just want to share this, not necessarily for the purpose that who's ever listening, whatever your faith, I hope you have faith, at least in a higher self, you know, could be you, you know, maybe you, your own higher self that we were talking about earlier, but I've been on a blessed journey and I don't want to look that over or, you know, ignore that or buy that too fast because I do want to say that what happened for me was extraordinary, but it can happen for you too. It's not so extraordinary that it can't. So because I kept following my passion, so your passion leads you to your purpose and it leads you to your God-given destiny when those two things collide, right? And so it's just so important. I was a traveling trainer and my father was like, hey, I'm going to church with this lady and, you know, you should, uh, you know, come see this space that she has next to her salon. 
I'm like, Dad, it sounds like that's like a half hour away from my nearest client and I'm traveling to their home. I don't know anybody in this city that you're talking about. Did you tell this lady that you go to church with that I'm in a FEMA trailer, right? You know, like, so I'm like, you know, like I'm on an unemployment check. I, I got nothing for a commercial space. Now, mind you, I'm an ex-con who came home, was lucky enough to get work, worked my way up through the ranks and has now been let go and I'm in a FEMA trailer. I'm like, what's life look like after this? Who's going to give me a chance now? You know, didn't really know what was going to happen. And so honestly, it was just because my father was kind of a persistent guy. You know, we, we had this on again, off again relationship, but when it was on again, <laughs> it's like, you know, Wanda, like, you know, <laughs> so I'm like, all right. And it was really just to make him appease him and be done talking about it. And so we went in there and there's, Christian quotes on the wall and there's religious music playing and she's giving us this tour of the space and like, you can do this here and you can do that there. And so she gets done with her tour and my wife and I are there together. So I said, just like I had rehearsed, I was like, you know, ma'am, you have a very nice space. I want to thank you for showing it to us, but I also want to tell you that we are in a FEMA trailer and we're actually on unemployment right now. We have no resources. So we'll let you know if we ever get anything together. And uh, she says, I don't care about any of that. All I know that is that God told me that you're supposed to be here. So when are you moving in? And that began Journey Fitness, right? You know, so now how can that happen for you? Because at the end of the day, here's what we got. We got a landlord that was willing to give us a couple months free rent. From that, we were willing to take a high risk on ourselves and get a high interest loan for a small amount of equipment. We had good enough credit where the newspaper would give us a little credit and say, okay, you can pay for your advertising bill 30 days after the fact, right? After the advertising takes place. Those are elements that anybody can use with a belief in themselves, right? You know, there's a lot of landlords out there willing to give free rent. And so that began Journey Fitness and all the skill sets that I had from the Unicor job, being incarcerated, writing an operations manual to coming home and doing it for somebody else, I was now going to do it for myself. And of course, it was an easy thought to think, well, I open up multiple locations for that guy. Maybe we could do it for ourselves. And, you know, I got a lot of encouragement along the way to do that for ourselves because people would be like, wow, I go to this other location and you're not there, but the same things are happening there that are happening over here. And that's pretty good. You know, you're, what are you, are you a franchise? And I'm like, no, but that's an interesting concept. And, you know, like that was discussed for a few years before it happened. And now here we are today. Um, we now have franchises from a little 1300 square foot location that started in Elmira, New York. Now the typical blueprint is 4,000 square feet. And we have locations in Pennsylvania, New York, uh, one in Indiana, and one down in Florida. So now it's Journey 333, the franchise. That was an interesting thing in itself, too. You know, again, just signs that we're in this God-less journey. And again, you know, it's like sometimes I think that when I'm going to say the word God and, you know, listeners are going to be like, oh, is this turning into a, a spiritual podcast? You know, is Billy Graham coming out right now? You know, if he was, I would probably listen. But I'll say this. What's happening right now is that I'm just telling you that if we go to that place where we can live our authentic self and have that enthusiasm for that which we're doing, feel that inspiration, things are going to happen. Uh, some folks call it the law of attraction. I don't believe the law of attraction is necessarily I think about something and it appears. I believe that we attract who we are. We attract when we step out in faith and we become that person that we were meant to be. We attract things into our life that support that. Right. You know, because we're just kind of coming into a universal alignment. And so how do I stay there today? You know, right. Like that, that's the question. Right. You know, I wanted to 
complete the journey and kind of take you a little bit. And that's just a snippet of some of the miraculous things that have happened along the way. I could almost do a show on miracles. But uh, now today, for me, it's about 2020. I'm not part of the 5 a.m. club. I'm part of the 2.45 a.m. club. If you show me your calendar, I'll show you what's important to you. And so people ask me, they're like, well, you have a franchise and, you know, you, you own locations and, you know, you got books and, you know, you got a podcast and, you know, you do some speaking and stuff like that. But uh, also you're still coaching a number of hours per week. How do you do that? Because I schedule it because it's important to me. And so we have a location here in the town that I'm in today that opens at 3.45 a.m. And I'm part of that opening three times a week. And when I'm not opening, I'm actually working out on my off days there because that's what I enjoy doing. You know, I enjoy the workouts that we've created and I enjoy that time with the members working out. So on those days, I'm part of the 5 a.m. club. On the other days, I'm part of the 2.45 a.m. club so I can be there at 3.45 a.m. But every day has to start with movement. Every day has to start with gratitude. Zig Ziglar says, your attitude will determine your altitude. Travis Barnes says, your gratitude will determine your attitude, right? You know, because you got to start with what you're grateful for. And, you know, it might be, here's a big epiphany. People will tell you, go out and do a journal. They're like, just get yourself a gratitude journal. That's okay. That's pretty good. But you know what I realized about that after I was doing a gratitude journal for a little while? I realized I was keeping all my gratitude to myself. So I actually have different ways I practice gratitude now. I might think of a few people in my life that I'm grateful for, but I have, I'll keep myself accountable not to just put it in a journal, but to put it out to them, right? You know, like they got to experience it. So it might be that I start my day and I'll usually put them on draft. I won't send them at 2.45 a.m. I'll put them on draft, <laughs> you know, and I'll say, you know, hey, I just want to tell you that I appreciate you for this and, and, you know, thank you for doing that for me or thanks for being this to me, whatever it is. And so I'll send out those messages of gratitude so I can start my day. And then, of course, there's always learning. There's podcasts like The Optimal Self. There's audible books. And, you know, some people are like, well, where do you find the time? My phone sits on a ledge by the shower. I'll be in the shower, you know, like, I mean, I hit the shower after the workout. And guess what? I'm listening while I'm showering, you know, like, that's some easy multitasking, right? You know, so there's always the movement. There's always the listening. There's always the gratitude. And here's one that maybe the listeners never heard. So I want to challenge you on this one. Another great practice is what's your marinade? What's your marinade? What are you marinating in at night? That's an interesting concept that I didn't learn until uh, until I faced another recent adversity. My health was on the line back uh, just last fall. I had some scary blood work and our medical system's a lot like our legal system. It takes a long time to find out what's going on, right? You know, so like, is it 20 years? Is it 10 years? You know, am I dying? Am I okay, right? Well, I was listening to something really good at the time. And again, it was Wayne Dyer. I like to plug him. He's a great listener. And it, the challenging question that resonated with me was this. What are you marinating in at night? When we go to bed and we're going to be there for eight hours, most people go to bed and they're like, this is what's wrong with my day and this is what stinks and I'm so upset about this, then that's your marinade. You know, you're going to marinate in that for the next eight hours. So I try to end my days now just thinking about what were the amazing things that happened. And when you set your intentions there, like that was amazing, then there's a, an actual scientific process that takes place and it's called your RAS. Your reticular activating system is now aware of those things that you liked and it will attract more of those things into your life. 
it's just, it's not even necessarily the law of attraction. It's just, it's just scientific. It just works that way. I, I've taken time to acknowledge that I enjoyed that. And so therefore I acknowledge that I have a white Jeep, which I don't, but if I have a white Jeep, I'm going to see other white Jeeps on the road, right? You know, like those are the things. I actually have a journey bus parked outside and I have a black Toyota Tundra, but I do see more Toyota Tundras because of that. And that's the same idea there. You see, but if you end your day with all the things that bothered you and all the things that upset you, unfortunately, you'll get more of those in your life as well. So mm. it's a very important process, you know. So good. You are marrying, we say the same thing. Our quote at Optimal Self is the power of tomorrow starts with the intention of tonight. And so the way to build your power for tomorrow, the way to build your day for tomorrow is how you end the night. How do you do that? And I love the idea of what are you marinating in? Like, are you thinking about the bad, the, you know, the, the shit that has happened, the things that are, you know, like that are step, you know, that happened bad today or what's going on or, or I look at my schedule and I'm like, oh my God, it's so busy tomorrow. Right. Like people have that. Right. And that's what you're, you're right. That's what you marinate in. And guess what? If you want bad, think about bad stuff and trust me, more of that will happen. I think you said something earlier about finding what you look for, right? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to live by this quote nowadays. See the light in other people and treat them as if that's all you see. Mm. Right? You know, like, because it's so easy to see the wrong. It's so easy to see the character defects. You know, not everybody was blessed by an excellent gene pool or a great environment. Right. So how can you find that light and treat them like that's what you see? But here's the deal. You know, if you're looking for the dirt, you'll find the dirt, too. You right. know, you don't have to look far to find that. I'm sure a lot of people look at me and they're like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm a guy that you're either going to embrace for who I am today or you're going to hate for who I was yesterday. You know, I mean, and so there it is, you know, so mm. find what you look for. I think that that, that kind of returns to that idea when we're talking about when you're setting your intentions uh, for tonight, for what it will be tomorrow, you're going to go find what you look for. So what are you going to go look for? Yeah. Well said. I love it. That is something I can honestly say for myself that I tell people all the time, I, f- I feel like that's my superpower. My superpower is finding the good in every situ- situation. I mean, there's some bad things that have happened. There's some you know, terrible things that people say, you know what I mean? There's things, terrible things that people do, right? And when you step back and you say, okay, let me find the good in that. Because again, it's not always about us. And a lot of times, we're so quick to want to judge or we want to make assumptions or those things about other people. And you know, the other side of that too is when, when you teaching yourself to do that, you're also teaching yourself to do that to yourself because that narrative starts to play. And through that, if, even if it's about somebody else and I'm always, you know, pushing and judging and all that kind of stuff of somebody else. I end up doing the same thing to myself, even I don't even realize it. So I always tell people, and it's a lot of what you said, though, is that all of those things are muscles. They can all be trained. Focus. You ask me, how do I, that's trained. I'm training the focus. Like that is a damn muscle just like your bicep, just like your cute little six pack abs. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a muscle. All of that can be trained. Yeah. We can train those things. And those are the parts that people miss. And if you're the one sitting here judging others or judging Travis right now for his past or judging me for my past, like you're right. Guess what? You're judging yourself as well. Yes. And it's, it's probably what's holding you back more than anything else. 
more than society, more than your parents, more than your gene pool, all those things. I get it. Like they all play a part, but at the end of the day, I want people to hear this because there's something that you said when you were explaining your situations and you use terms like miracles and these things that have happened throughout your life. And this lady giving you guys the opportunity, you know, the paper giving you your 30 days so we could get some stuff out there, like all of these things that happen. But I want to say this, and I hope people heard this, is all of those things that ultimately happen that have set you on this path to get where you are today. I believe you've earned the right for those opportunities. Because again, how many times did you find the good in it? You still made the drive over to go meet with that lady. You didn't have to. You didn't have to get in that car. You didn't have to make that choice. You could have said, oh, woe is me. I don't have the money. I suck. I'm not good enough. I'm in a FEMA trailer. I'm all this. You could have sat down. You could have sat on your hands and said, no, babe, honey, let's not do it. It's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And you would have never got that answer. Yeah. You would have never got the answer that you received because you had to get your ass up, get your ass in the car, take the time out of your day. And again, guess what you did? Same thing all the way back to the prison days and the, the operating manual into moving up and all those kind of things. And then all of a sudden you're thrust into a position that here's an opportunity for us to use the skills that I have procured over the last decade or more. Yeah. And then those those skills become utility for you. Yeah. They become yours. You sure. didn't know that stuff before. I have a friend that's a Green Beret, and he says that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. 100%. And, and many people don't want to prepare. Preparing is where we earn the right. right? Yes. Preparing is where we earn the right. And, you know, if you haven't spent that time and you're waiting for this to happen, you know, I hear people say all the time, I'm not doing that. So they pay me to do that. You know, like, you know, you have to find out what you said earlier in the episode, what you said was, how do you add value where you're at right now? And because you will get paid for what you did later. That's how most paychecks come. They come after the work is done, right? You know, occasionally you get paid up front, you know, that's a different story. But majority of the time, we're getting paid after we do the work. You're getting paid after you add the value. In life, after we prepare, you know, that's where we earn the right to be given a circumstance that some might call luck, but it's actually where the preparation met the opportunity. And what you were saying too, is it also has to come from a belief in yourself, right? You know, you will see it appear when you believe it. Uh, You know, there's all these cliche phrases out there, believe it to achieve it, whatever, you know, but the truth is, that's how things manifest in your life. They manifest from a place where you believe, you know, you have to, if you start to believe, you'll find what you look for. You'll find what you look for because you believe that you'll see it. And when you believe that you'll see it, you can discover things that other people don't, you know, just so important. Yeah. Man, I love it. I love it. And for us, I always talk about belief as a coin, right? Everybody's had a quarter, nickel, a penny in their party, right? There's two sides to this coin. And I always pull one out and I say, listen, this is a belief coin. And we can attribute this to fitness because it's really easy and people all understand this. They walk in the door and they're like, it's time. I am out of shape. I feel like shit. My body hurts. You know what I mean? Like I've let myself go. I used to be, I used to be, I used to be right. We hear all these stories and they finally make the decision. They finally get up enough courage to walk through the door and say, I'm ready to make it. Okay. 
we sit down with them, we do the assessment, we make sure we get their shoulder, we make sure everything's workable and we know where to start them, right? We do this whole assessment with them and we get them down and they say, all right, 50 pounds, Jeremy, right? Travis, I want to lose 50 pounds, man. If I could just get this 50 pounds off, I would feel better and I'd have more energy. And we're like, yes, I agree. You would. Okay. Are you in? Okay. Right. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan. Here's the eating portion. Here's how you're going to grocery shop. Here are the days of the week that you're going to show up. You said you're available at 7 a.m. three days a week. Okay, we're going to, we're not going to do three days to start. We're going to do two days to start. And then we're going to graduate to three. And then we're going to, right? We put this whole plan in front of them. And then this is what we, we used to do. And I still do it with Optimal Self with business owners when they tell me they want to make a million bucks, 10 million bucks, 100 million bucks. And we build out this plan and we look at it. You know, sometimes it takes longer than just this few minutes that we're doing right now. But then I look at them. And like that person that we say, okay, that's 50 pounds. Here's that plan. We just went through it. Do you believe in the plan without fail? There's like, oh yeah, that, that, that right there. Yeah, yeah man, that, that's going to work. Yes. Yes. And I pull out that coin and I say, okay, great. So the plan you believe in, right? To your soul. Yes. And then I flip it and I go, okay, here's the thing. Belief has another side. Do you believe that you are worthy, capable, and deserving of the results of that plan? Wow. You see, there's the stopping point because they believe in the plan. It's the greatest plan I've ever seen. Hell yeah, Travis, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that's going to work. Okay. Okay, good. We both believe in the plan. But now do you believe that you are capable of executing that plan? Do you believe not only capable, but do you believe you're worthy of those results? Do you believe you're deserving? And now you see, and you'll see them. You'll see them gulp. You'll see them slump. Some you'll see like, yeah. And then, you know, they're ready, you know, they're ready to flex on you. They're like, yes, I'm ready, right? And so I want people to get out of that today because we use that term. And I love what you said is, yeah, you got to believe you do. But you gotta have you you gotta have some foresight. You gotta have some vision, right? You gotta have some kind of plan. You gotta have something to do every day. That's why optimal self. We start small, man. We stop. The principles are they're simple. No, that's really good. That's really good. I was I was wondering where you're going to go with that, and I'm definitely going to use that because to me, the secret to someone achieving their goals is that relationship with themselves. And what you're describing and what I'm describing is actually something that we mentioned earlier on the show which is changing that state of mind, right? Yes. That dominating state of how you feel about yourself. So then that way your actions can be different that will produce different results, right? You know, so yeah, you have to shift that. That's so good. So yeah. good. I wrote that down. <laughs> well, I mean, you, again, we talk the same language. Sometimes we might use a different word or two or whatever, but we, we talk the same language. And you and I are having this conversation for one reason and one reason only. And that's so that somebody somewhere can hear this take something away and change their life, right? It's a ripple effect of what we do. So I got two more things that I want to go over with you. I want to put down. And one of them is that we talk a lot about is mentors or role models or whatever term you want to use. And have there been any in your life that have helped you? And and truly, how do you feel about those? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. You'll see those quotes on the internet. Uh, Ken Blanchard may have been one of the first ones with it or, or someone else. You know, there's a lot of people that say it and it's, they say it because it's true. And here's the thing. If you liked anything that we said today, take it. 
Uh, the reason that it resonates with you is because it is you, right? So we're, there's not too many things that are original. But you are the average of five people you spend the most time with. So I find it very important for elevating my game that I spend time with people like yourself, Jeremy, or Todd Durkin, who's been an amazing mentor in my life. And that was because I believe in masterminds. I, I said, you know what? I'm going to have a business. I should join a mastermind because then I'll be surrounded by successful people that are doing what I'm doing. And they're doing it well. And therefore, I will have a greater chance of doing what I'm doing well. You know, so, so important. Todd Durkin has been an excellent mentor in my life. Mm -hmm. Martin Rooney's been a great mentor in my life and with different programs and things. There's been some people that have come along and believed in me. You know, I got to those prison days where Patty Kitchen came to me and got me speaking in these troubled youth programs. And that was before I was ever a presenter. But that began my presenting training, right? If I had never stepped out and did that, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, and so, you know, people like Patty Kitchen as well, back in those days, saw something special in me when uh, I was certainly covered up by a lot, you know, I was a diamond in the rough, maybe, I hope. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. I mean, and I'm a firm believer too, man. And and nobody succeeds alone. None of us. We never get there by ourselves. We've had people that helped us and that's what this is for. So, all right, here's the end of the show. Here's the last few. These are the, these are the quick hitters. Now I'm going to give you a word. And I just want to know how you feel, how, where it hits you, what it is, just right off the top, right from your gut. And so the first word is discipline. What does that mean to you? Where does that hit you? Uh, discipline. You know, that that is that 2.45 a.m. That is that decision to do what is best for you, even when you don't feel like doing it, right? Mm -hmm. you know, that's where discipline is. Discipline is the hallmark of all great coaches, of all great athletes, of all great business people. You got to do that thing you don't feel like doing. Discipline is that thing that I get to the end of a long day and somebody's pulling in the parking lot that wants to see the business. Do I unlock the door? You know, <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. The final one is impact. Where does that hit you? What do you want to leave? Impact. Wow. What a word. You know, legacy. Why did we become a franchise? We became a franchise because we believe if we become like one of the big franchises of a thousand locations, it'll be five to 8,000 coaches a day waking up to change lives. That's a lot of impact. If a thousand people go through each location, it's a million lives changed. If the average weight loss is 10 pounds, it's 10 million pounds of weight loss. There's a 5% reduction in body weight that's been proven to change your vital statistics. That means that people are living longer because we were here, right? How will the world be different because you were here? And legacy and impact is a much deeper word to me because I think of Walt Disney. I think of Walt Disney. He was laying on his deathbed and Space Mountain was being built. And the reporter asked him, said, aren't you sad that you're not going to get to see it? You know, I think that I don't think they were trying to you know, taunt him or anything, but just mm -hmm. asking a, a sincere, empathetic question. And Walt Disney replied, don't you get it? If I didn't see it, you never would have. And uh, so impact to me is grabbing hold of that unique part of your spirit, that special creation that you're created to be, and turn it into a God-sized vision, something that will live on after you, something where others have to pick up the torch, carry the torch, and, and keep on doing it. So then that way you can have that legacy and have that impact. But that is the impact of Journey 333. Mm, man. So there it is. I mean, and listen, your impact, your impact on me, your impact on the people around you, is going to live forever, man. And I'm I'm forever grateful that that our paths have got to cross. I can't wait for more. And I know the audience is, you know, everybody is truly, truly grateful you spent this time with us, Travis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. It's my honor. And thank you to all the listeners for the honor of your time today. Thank you. Yeah, man. We'll, we'll have all of Travis's connect points uh, in the show notes. Don't miss a beat. Reach out. I mean, get the books. And if, if you want to, you know, get the coaching, he's definitely somebody you need to, you need to be on. And so ladies and gentlemen, until next time, get out there and be the best version of you. Subscribe to Optimal Self wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information on how to be the best version of you, visit OptimalSelf.today and follow at OptimalSelf1 on Facebook, at Optimal underscore Self on Instagram, and subscribe to Optimal Self on YouTube. Thank you for listening.